Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in L.A. And today we tell you our picks for 80s movies that deserve the Cobra Kai treatment. But always remember, the reason we learn karate is to show the world that you're not a bunch of pansy-ass nerds. Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Banzai! Daniel LaRusso here for LaRusso Auto, bringing you specials on all of our inventory. We have an excess of luxury vehicles priced to go. Get a lease for only... Nah, make that... We are dropping prices on SUVs, crossovers, sedans, and convertibles. So come on down and visit the Russo Auto Group. Every customer leaves with their very own bonsai tree. We kick the competition. Okay, show of hands out there. Who's watching Cobra Kai on Netflix? I appreciate you coming in, but there are no girls in Cobra Kai. Why not? Same reason there aren't women in the army. Doesn't make sense. Brad, are you watching? Are you all caught up yet on Cobra Kai? I am not caught up. We started season two, and then we got a little sidetracked with some other stuff. But we are going to uh, get through season two and season three when I get back from my work travels. Okay. Well, it's for those who are not following it, Cobra Kai is basically the Karate Kid story picked up 30 years afterwards. Right. And we follow the, the adventures more so this time of Johnny Lawrence played by the great uh, Billy Zabka. And we find out that, you know, times have gotten tough for the former champion of the All-Valley Karate Tournament. It's true. He's living still in the same Southern California suburb. Danielson is now a very successful car dealer. <laughs> yes, and, and of course he gives away a bonsai tree with every car he sells. Of course yeah, he does. Of course, of course he, he does. And... It started out season one on, I think season one and season two were both on YouTube TV. Yeah, it was on YouTube Red. We did a review of season one back in 2018, which, like, I say that seems like so long ago. Yes. But episode 459 was our review of oh the first season. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, so, I mean, I mean, the universe has been made right again because uh, you no longer have to subscribe to YouTube uh, Red TV to get it. Uh, Netflix picked it up yeah. for season three. So now all three seasons are on Netflix. And if after a year of quarantine you don't have Netflix, well, then we ain't got nothing for you this week. <laughs> yeah, you should probably just you know skip to the seggies and uh, call it a day. But download it a couple times for us, will you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need the dues. Yeah, yeah. We need the dues. <laughs> so it's proven to be phenomenally popular and successful. I presume it's successful. I, I presume that uh, Billy Zabka and, and <laughs> Ralph Macchio are making some coin off of this. Yeah, I don't think they made three seasons because of their artistic integrity, let's put it that way. <laughs> so it got us thinking, though. Could there be other movies that deserve the Cobra Kai treatment? And so 
before we even get started, let's explain what we think the Cobra Kai treatment is. So you're going to take a movie yeah. that's popular. Johnny Lawrence shows up in your movie story and kicks ass. <laughs> we're going to pick a movie from the 80s. It's it, We're going to pick up the story from it 30 years later. We might focus on more on a single character than the overall plot. And we're going to serialize it, you know, probably 10 like episodes a, yeah, per Yeah, like se- a 10-episode series. Uh, like in, every season has to have some kind of arc that ties it all together. Sure. And it goes on for, I don't know, it could go on for a couple of seasons. You know, as uh, season four of Cobra Kai is already in the works, and that's great. That that story hasn't been, you know, fully finished yet, but it's getting there. <laughs> I, I, I don't see, I don't foresee much past season five. Yeah, if they do a chili cook-off in season four, then I think we're done here. <laughs> yes. The chili cook-off is now the new uh, Jumping the Shark. So, in in that scenario in that sort of like framework brad and i sat down a few weeks ago and we started thinking about 80s movies that deserve the cobra kai treatment it's a bit of a tongue twister especially if you've been napping for the last two hours Mm, napping maybe he's still asleep folks this could be (laughs) sleep talking so anyway we picked each one of us has picked two movies and here's the fun part we let on uh to this a few weeks ago on social media and so we have a bunch of ideas from our listeners some of them much more thoroughly thought out than our own, which is surprising and yet not really fair. At all. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so let me go first. You know what, Steve? I would take it as a personal honor if you would take the first slot. Go ahead. Make my day. So here's what I'm going to do. This is, this is interesting. I'm already going to kind of throw a curveball on my first pick. Originally, I started thinking about Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds! 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 Okay. And then I started thinking about, well, what other movies are kind of like Revenge of the Nerds? What kind of movie you know, would be set 30 years in advance and, and probably still involve the same scenario? And then I thought, well, real genius. Would you be prepared if gravity reversed itself? I, well, I... The only thing I can't figure out is how to keep the change in my pockets. So, my idea is Revenge of the Genius. Oh, oh I, I am so in on this when you told me about this i'm like revenge of the nerds really Mm, is it still going to be problematic is there still going to be like some kind of rapey stuff and uh you know some creepy stuff no no it's not that's not what he pitched me at all this this is you you guys okay give him the juice here spearsy because this is awesome it's not it's not that awesome it is no this is so good in hollywood this is so good (laughs) i've got a meeting set up for you on tuesday i need you to wear a shirt with buttons when you call in on the zoom and just tell them what you told me and you're going to be rolling in cash so here's the idea basically now nerds rule the universe which is which is not surprising now you know why i like this pitch so much yeah you're probably sitting at home and, you're, and your brain's rattling around. You're like, Steve's going to just pitch me the idea for the for the HBO series Silicon Valley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sort of. Don't trifle Don't, us with details. Yeah. The idea is we're going to focus on Jordan, who was the girl in the, in the cast. Oh, hi. Good morning. I thought I saw you come in here. We met last night. Remember? I had the sled with me. I'm Jordan. Oh, here. I made your sweater. And she sold off her startup company to Google, and she's looking for the next big idea. Mitch from Real Genius now works with Gilbert from Revenge of the Nerds on a home delivery app. Hmm. Poindexter and Lewis from Revenge of the Nerds now work for a company called Rocket X, the space agency that replaced NASA. Nice. 
And because we really can't cast Chris Knight in this show because Val Kilmer is having, you know, a rather unfortunate series of health issues. So not exactly able to become a main character, but he's going to make some sort of cameo in the first season. Maybe, maybe you just kind of see him, you know, out in the audience during a pitch or at a consumer electronics show. Or you see somebody walking by, you see the back of them and you see like the Dealey Bobbers going. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And the bunny slippers. Revenge of the Genius. Just for shits and giggles, I'm going to put this on HBO because I want to allow for uh, occasional nudity and, uh, which I guess you could have on Netflix. It just seems like it. It just seems it's like, more it, HBO's calling card. Yeah, let's be it, fair. It's 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 a nod to the HBO of our youth. HBO you know, has learned the the Cinemax lesson, the Skinemax yeah, yeah. lesson. Skin delivers. Revenge of the Genius is is mine, and I, I think it maybe goes. Uh, Two or three seasons. I, I think a short story arc is fine, you know, and then everyone moves on. So there you go. That's that's idea number one. Yeah, they all pump GameStop stock, get their billions, and get out. The end. Something like that. Yeah. The challenge here is going to be: don't be cliche, don't parody Silicon Alley too much, don't try to be too contemporary, don't try to put GameStop storyline in there. For example, yeah, we already did that in the eighties. It was called Trading Places. Yes. There are some challenges there. I think that these actors, for the most part, they're going to look good. They're going to be still do a great job. They're still kind of in the business, so it'll it'll be fun. And then and then cameo, 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 cameo throughout the the, the series. So I love it. I think it's a brilliant idea to blend two like that. Okay. So what's your first idea, Brad? Kind of hate you for having an idea that's that good. My first idea. I'm actually the first thing I'm going to do is break our rules that we just described. I'm not going 30 years into the future for this character. What my viewers want to know, Steve, is. What the heck is going on with Marion Ravenwood? India and a child. Always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. So what are you doing here in Nepal? I need one of the pieces your father collected. I learned to hate you in the last ten years. I want to do a prequel series to Raiders of the Lost Ark and answer some questions about Marion. Okay, like what questions? I mean, what really happened between her and Indy? That's maybe a little tricky to cast because I think we all have a pretty good idea what Harrison Ford looks like. So I'm not <laughs> sure how we cast that. Nowadays, I mean, like look at Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy. Uh, okay, yeah. Unaged you, him. you could deep fake it. You could deep fake it. That's true. How did her father die? You know, what what happened there? Why did she follow him around all those years? And and how did she end up in Nepal? And why, really, more importantly, why is she staying there? What is it that has got her anchored to this bar in Nepal? And really, the very, the most important question, I think, of all, Steve, is what kind of whiskey does she serve in the bar? Is it Jim Beam or is it Wild Turkey? (laughs) It's it's neither. Something tells me it's some homebrew that uh, she mixes in the back. Oh, okay. With uh, pine saw and... Uh, Antifreeze? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just enough to give it a kick. Too much causes blindness. Is that a fair mix? I'm saving lives here. The straight stuff would raise a blood blister on boot leather. I meant it seemed like a lot of whiskey. Speaking of that scene, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me, let me take us on a sidebar for a second. Let's start it! Let's start it. The drinking scene where they're sitting there going shot for shot, you know, until the the, the big guy who... Who topples over? Yeah, right. kind of reminds me of myself. Tumbles over. Uh, have you ever been in like a, a shot for shot drinking contest like that? No, huh? No. Should we do that on the next cruise? 
I don't know that there's worse places to be hungover than on a rolling boat, but uh, I guess we could find out. Yeah, we, that's probably not a great idea. We'll be doing shots of ginger ale. <laughs> I can't. I can't drink ginger ale. I win. When I was in college in the '80s, we used to do this thing called a, a rum and coke slammer. You ever heard of those? Okay. Are those the things where you have like the special glasses and you put the coke and you, like it floats the rum across the top? Yeah. You, there's there's two ways to do it. There's there's a special glass where you fill the bottom with coke and then the top has the rum float right yeah i've done those so yes. but before those were invented before before someone made a, a before technology caught up with it yeah you take a shot glass just a regular old shot glass and you'd make it i don't know like five eighths rum and then you just put like just a little like just a little float a little of- tiny float of coke and then you put your hand over the top like you know you cup it and then you bang mm-hmm. it on the table when you bang it on the table the Soda mixes with the rum real fast. It gets all fizzy, and then you down it real fast. Okay. We learned this in college at the University of Florida. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't remember too much. I remember something about guns and butter in my economics class, and I remember rum and Coke slammers. <laughs> so one weekend we come home to um, my parents' house in, in summer or something like that, and they, were, they had a sailboat at the time, and so they would go on these little weekend sailboat trips, and I would could have the house to myself. So we threw a party. I thought this was a party. Let's dance. And we started unintentionally reenacted the shot for shot thing doing rum and coke slammers until literally one of my friends just pretty much just like clonk. Well, he sort of he fell out of his chair and then he went to the bathroom and just heaved all over the place. And we didn't <laughs> we didn't we didn't know what to do. I mean, it was so we covered him Covered him with towels. Covered him with bath towels. And people continued to use the bathroom, even though he was like covered in towels and passed out in the corner. (laughs) And I I had had way too many at that point, too. And I didn't know how to clean up the mess. So what I do what anybody in my situation would do. I got out the vacuum cleaner and vacuumed up all the vomit. Oh, my Lord. Oh, God, that's going to stink. And yeah, so I, I just... This is, this is what the drunken mind of a 20-year-old would do. Yeah, you're like, well, I got to clean up stuff fast. That's the vacuum cleaner job. Yeah. So I did that. We vacuumed up the vomit. I mean, there's like vomit on shelves. There's vomit on cars. It was <laughs> Like I, he was letting it go. He was just, I mean, he had a lot of food that day. I can tell you that. Yeah. And so the next day when I finally come out of my, what I'm sure was some righteous hangover, I had to, the one thing I had to do was like run to Sears and get a new vacuum bag to replace the vacuum bag. The vomitrocious one. My younger sister was there for that party, and I basically had to bribe her to say, so look. I was going to say, is she going to rat you out? Yeah, I, I said, look, nobody, nobody repeats this story at all until we no longer have that vacuum cleaner in the house. Damn if that vacuum cleaner didn't last like 30 more years. And I just threw it away this Christmas. My mom finally did throw it away, like, uh, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. And when you she didn't tell her the story, did you? We told her the story at that time. Did she know? Because, like, parents are remarkably perceptive. Like, a lot of stuff, they're like, oh, they think they got away with that. It's fine. No, they, they knew that I'd no, thro- thrown a party only because two people went into the master bedroom and took a shower together. Yeah. And she could tell that her, the, the shower stuff had been monkeyed with. So we, we yeah. got busted for the party. 
we we got off Scott clean on the vomit vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so yeah, uh, similar story. Like my parents were out of town. I was in college, and so I had a you know had a bunch of people over, and like the next morning they were still gone. So the next morning I like just swept the house big time. Like I'm finding bottles everywhere and getting everything out of the out of there, and like put the trash in a bag and drive the bag to the grocery store and put it in the dumpster there <laughs> so in case they look in the trash yeah. and like i thought i had it cleared and then my folks come home and my mom sits down on the couch and within about 15 seconds she's like did you have people over here this weekend <laughs> i'm like why what do you mean mom she's like well i found these beer caps in the couch I'm like son of a bitch yeah. i forgot to check the couch cushions that's cool <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, so we can. I don't think I got in too much trouble because, like, the place wasn't wrecked. We'll but. reenact the uh, the rum drinking scene for your sequel. In any case, excellent. Okay, I, excellent. I've got another one here. Now, okay. now this one, bring it. This one's not going to be. Everyone's going to kind of go. What? I don't. I don't see this. Do, do you remember the movie Colors? You heard the one about the two bulls? Not yet. Not yet. Well, these two bulls are sitting on a grassy knoll overlooking a herd of Guernseys. And the baby bull says, hey, Pop, let's run down and uh, one of those cows. But the Papa bull says, no, son. Let's walk down. them all. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Sean Penn and Maria Conchita Alonso. Robert Duvall. And Robert Duvall, right? right? right. Yeah, no, I remember that very clearly. So the original movie from the late 80s was Robert Duvall is like this seasoned cop. Uh, Sean Penn's like this newbie, and they basically have been put on into a partnership together to go fight gang crime in L.A. Plenty of opportunities there in the late 80s. Oh, my gosh. So, and at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, you know, Robert Duvall gets shot and killed. And then the last scene you see is Sean Penn breaking in a new partner, you know, telling him to, you know, let's, uh, you know, the young bull and the cow story, basically. I'm not going to ruin it for you. (laughs) So here's my idea. Uh, We're going to make colors. Now, now obviously, this is not going to be a comedy. This is going to be serious. Yeah. So... Colors comes back. Sean Penn is now the elder statesman. He still goes by the nickname Pac-Man, but now that's his hacking code name because he's working undercover for the LAPD to infiltrate L.A. gangs who have turned to cyber terrorism and <gasps> other cyber crimes. Oh. And I like it. Louisa, his old girlfriend, is now the all-knowing mother of one of the biggest hackers. And so... Sean Penn of and course. Louisa have to... to uh, Wait, is it Sean Penn's kid? Maybe we find that out in season two. <laughs> oh. And Pac-Man's new young partner is... I'm going to mispronounce this. It's it's Zolo Maradueña, the guy who plays Miguel in Cobra Kai. For the ultimate, the ultimate homage to being in a Cobra Kai spinoff is to be in a Cobra Kai spinoff. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say that's stunt casting and... I 100% approve. <laughs> so Zolo is now Pac-Man's partner. He's a brilliant young coder, a computer genius, but very naive about the dangers of the gangster uh, cyber business. So, Like, those guys shot at me. Why are nerds shooting at me? <laughs> and and just if you want me to boil it down to the 10-second elevator pitch for Hollywood, it's colors meets Mr. Robot meets hackers. Boom. Done. Steve drops the mic. 
I love it. That's that's a great idea. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, maybe throw in some fun cameos by some actors from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So, yeah, and and maybe you like have uh, you know if you're if you're going to pull in Cobra Kai actors and it's it's set in L.A. So you could have them, you know, they have to go investigate somebody's hacking into car dealerships or, you know. You you could you could cross you could into you it. could do a little cross just little touches like just glancing glancing was you don't want to get too cutesy yeah. with it but yeah I mean you dip a toe into any of the eighties movies that were set in L A so so that that's my number two what's your number two my number two and honestly this is my number one this is my uh, this is my idea that are you familiar with the holiday film Elf yeah you know they bring in the guy with the ideas to ghostwrite a book for him <laughs> Miles Finch Miles. this is the idea that I'm psyched out of my mind about I'm tapping my book right now I got one idea that I'm specially psyched out of my mind about I give you 30 years on Hoosiers I don't know if it'll make any change but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball yeah. Thing. I play. Coach stays. He goes. I go. I'm just gonna let that soak in for a second. I know sports movies are a fertile field for this because there, there's just a lot of questions that are asked about well, what happened to those people, you know, because there's a, a real clear ending and you know somebody won something, someone didn't. So I kept trying to get away from the sports movies because it felt like super derivative which i realize that's what we're doing here anyway but i try not to run completely towards it but this i just kept coming back to this and i think there's some really meaty stories about the jimmy chitwood character so it's 30 years later jimmy chitwood he did get out of hickory he went to college and didn't play basketball when he in college even though he'd won that state championship 30 years on he gets a message from strap who's now the local pastor to come back to town for a 30th reunion of their 1952 championship team. Oh, okay. Yeah, right? So show center on Jimmy, like what he did outside of Hickory, which as we find out as the season progresses is actually kind of falling apart. His life is kind of crumbling. He loses his job. His wife leaves him. And the life he starts to put together after this visit in Hickory, the one that his teacher, um, Barbara Hershey, was worried about that, you know, he would just be, you know, worshipped as a guy who won a basketball game once. Ollie's now the superintendent of schools, and he convinces Jimmy to coach the basketball team. And we go from there. So you've almost done the reverse. Instead of taking something set in the 80s and set it in current times, you're taking something from decades before the 80s and setting them in the 80s. Wow. Yeah, so I watched this movie last week. I hadn't seen it in a while, and I thought, you know what? I deserve a nice, uplifting screening of Hoosiers. I'm sure I cried at the end. He makes that shot every time. I'll make it. Oh, the whole movie right there. I'll make it. It's all right. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. So when I realized that that movie is set in 1952, I almost fell off the couch. I'm like, this puts my series in 1982. Do you know how much fun we can have with that? Yeah. A lot. Oh. A lot. And I think there's a lot, you know, there's a lot you could unpack about Jimmy and what it is like to return to town where people are still like, you're the kid who made that shot. And you're like, I'm not a kid anymore. He's what? He's 48 years old. I think there would be a lot of really interesting stuff, a lot of interesting stories to tell about that character. Yeah, I like it. I think that's, an, I, I think that's a no-brainer. That's my favorite idea. I'm going to give you the Jen with one N honorary honorable mention here. 
and we got this one from a lot of the fans and that's a lot of people wanted us to come up with a treatment for breakfast club you know it's a popular movie maybe you've heard of it character driven and i think it has to be a character driven story for you to have anything interesting to learn or see with these characters 30 years on initially i was kind of spitballing it'd be fun to do like a supper club instead of breakfast club and you know, you find out where they are kind of individually, but as a group, they get together once a year or so for a supper club and check in. Sure. And I'm like, eh, that's too cutesy. There's no, there's no meat on those bones. Uh, and, and I will say it's hard for me to get away from the, that treatment I wrote for them all for the 10th anniversary show. Oh, that's right. But here's what, yeah. I, here's what I would do for a short TV show. Something happened at school on Monday when they came back to school following their only meeting. I don't know what, I'm not really sure exactly what it is. I have some ideas, but I, I'm not quite sure what shape that is, that it had such an impact on all of them. But they're all kind of affected in different ways. And 30 years on, they're still kind of dealing with that something, which I think you'd you'd slowly kind of tease that out over a 10-episode season, and you'd kind of figure out what had happened and how they all ended up where they yeah. are. And as a companion piece, I'd also like to pitch a companion like web series that would just be on YouTube that would just focus on Carl the janitor. <laughs> You're obsessed like, with that. How how did he go from man of the year to janitor? Yeah. I'd like to lay out this challenge. We're we're gonna we're gonna read the other ideas in a moment from the other listeners. But listeners out there, I mean, a lot of people wanted us to, to come up with a, a story for Breakfast Club and we I I just don't know that. I mean, that's like it's it's like why don't we rewrite the Bible while we're at it? You pitch us your ideas for the Breakfast Club Cobra Kai series, and let, let us yeah know send what you us think. a treatment. We'll reward the um, the best idea with, and we'll take credit for it. And, <laughs> we'll send you uh, a T-shirt or something, or a, or I'll send you one of the three thousand special edition DVDs I have of of Breakfast Club because everybody gets me one thing. I, I certainly don't have this one yet. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's read some of the other ideas here. So Dave Parrott had one. He said, quote, For me, I would like to see uh, what happened to the characters of St. Elmo's Fire. Did Alex and Leslie get back together, as they suggested in the John Parr video? Or did she end up with Kevin? Did Jules become the queen of the world? Did Wendy and Billy ever get back together? So many questions, so few answers. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Uh, Chase Squires had the same idea, basically, on, on a St. Elmo's uh, fire. He actually sketched it out a little bit more, though. So Chase is our old friend. Chase was on several of the podcasts in the early years, including the epic Miami Vice episode, which I, I still think is one of our best earliest episodes. His St. Elmo's fire treatment comes like this. Kirby owns the bar. Never did get through law school, and he was only going to law school to get the girl anyway. He works too hard, has affairs with young waitresses, and stalks Dale Bieberman on Facebook. Uh, that's interesting. Billy did a stint in prison, but assures <laughs> us it was all a misunderstanding. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's burned through a string of fresh starts and one in a million opportunities, and he's still the hustler and Billy the kid. I, I, I buy that. Yeah. Kevin... Had a hell of a run in newspapers until the newspaper industry died and he was a victim of early retirement. He's been, quote-unquote, working on a book for a few years and living off his 401k and trying to avoid going into marketing or some, some other content farm. Ouch, that hurts. I'm telling you, that's getting personal. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's describing my job. I have feelings too, Chase Squires. <laughs> Chase continues. Wendy married Howie against her better judgment, but there was never a spark. Two kids later, she's a single mom from 
for the chain of Hallmark stores. She's putting the kids through college. That's brilliant. And it's oh my god, still friendly with Howie, who longs to have her back. She wished she had worked it out with Billy. Okay, yeah, I buy that. Mm-hmm. Alec had a stormy career in politics, culminating in getting elected to Congress and caught in an insider trading scandal in a brief minimum security prison stay. Man. Increasingly drawn to the far right, he wrote a fiery autobiography manifesto in prison that rocketed up the New York Times bestseller list. He's now a vain, ill-informed, and very loud commentator on OAN and is a bit unhinged. His late-night rants at the bar are legendary. (laughs) Oh, okay. And uh, lastly, uh, Jules took her own life some years ago and is only seen in flashbacks. The, The group is haunted by her loss and wonders what they could have done differently. Ooh. Well, there's uh, the pain of reentry. Thank you, Chase. There's a lot. Yeah, we got a lot to unpack there, Chase. Uh, why don't you read Tor Hansen's uh, pitch? Yeah, I like this one as well. Tor Hansen suggested, uh, I'm going with time bandits. Possible jumping off points. Kevin is a 50-year-old or his kids rediscover the time map and head back into the wormhole. From there, the possibilities are virtually limitless, given the depth of Palin and Gilliam's original idea. Craig Warnock is still a working actor at 50 years old, so even if a good deal of the rest of the cast is passed on, you still have the principal character. He could be seeking revenge on the Supreme Being for what happened to his parents or trying to access a multiverse to find a different dimension, one where the first movie never happened. Or his kids could be the focus. Perhaps they meet a group of time bandits and head into the continuum for a fresh set of adventures. Add in the possibility of some well-done deep fakes to bring back Connery and others in short cameos. You could have a lot of fun with it. Wow tour for the win there is a lot in that universe to explore uh some of the other ideas jeremy uh rodwin suggested a who framed roger rabbit spinoff but if you talk about movies from the 80s we never 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 name check roger rabbit's right up there yeah i, I was never a huge fan i gotta admit i mean i've seen it i yeah. recognize that it's a it's an amazing technical achievement sure but it's not something that i'm like oh let me put that on i want to watch that uh rob reel suggests adventures of buckaroo bonsai uh because they basically tease that at the end of the flick yeah yeah so they tease a sequel that's pretty easy susan rosenblum would like to see electric dreams redone i think that's a good idea can we get virginia madsen in it again please please <laughs> laurie ann wants big trouble in little china i know they keep trying to remake that movie but uh, I, I like the idea of a series oh here's a good one chris daly suggested young blood yeah it doesn't have a pitch or anything, but that's fine. It just, just it's a one word. You know, sometimes the elevator pitch is one word. Young blood. I, Young I, blood. I loved, I really enjoyed Young Blood. I, I for a long time I had it on oh. DVD, and I lent it to a friend, which you never do, and now I don't have it anymore. Okay, let's just get this out of the way now. Every show apparently we have to mention this movie. Novi Folan suggests Xanadu. <laughs> really, people, really. Okay, okay. I'll I'll read their treatment. The club closed after roller skating faded away. Yes, approximately 10 minutes before the movie came out. Sonny went back to work, enlarging record sleeves until CDs took over the market. Kira comes back with the resurgence of vinyl and helps Sonny open his own throwback music and memorabilia store. It's not the worst idea. No. Uh, let's see. Dave Augie August suggests Goonies is the obvious one. I, I agree. He says Mikey would have a career based on his obsession, data... Uh, being an entrepreneur, Fratelli's getting out of jail, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's good. I, I always thought – That's fertile field. Yeah. yeah. Fertile. And, then, and then other popular votes were uh, Ferris Bueller, Red Dawn, Better Off Dead. So 
but like I said, send us your treatment for Breakfast Club. I mean, don't 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 spend all day on it because we're not we're not going to well, sell. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe you don't have anything else to do today. I mean, like, let's be honest. It's not like if you write a great treatment, we're going to get it made because you know I I'm in L.A. but I'm not in yeah. L.A. If you know what I mean. Well, and my impression is that for the most part, those John Hughes movies are are it's not they're yeah. not going to. There, his estate is not going to let anything happen to those, just like he didn't allow anything to happen to those. Right. But there is something we can allow something to happen to, and that's the, the Seggies. Ah, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. Actually, I don't think listener mailbag is a mystical refrain. <sighs> I couldn't even tell you. I never even hear that part because you put it in after <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> It's uh, it's uh, it's um, uh, it's the beginning of an Oingo Boingo song. That's pretty so, mystical. They yeah. were the mystical knights of the Oingo Boingo. That's true. So okay, there you go. So I, I take it all back. I take it back. Okay, I take it back. You can't take it back. Why not? Because it's already out there. <laughs> this is an interesting email, and I'm gonna let Brad read it. I think it bears saying um, we don't always assign nicknames. I did last week with Principal Strickland. A lot of people show up with their own nicknames. For instance, Brad in L.A. Uh, we would never saddle anybody with the nickname Moldy. We just would not. So just hold that thought in your head while you listen to Steve tell you who wrote this letter. This this letter is from someone who calls herself Moldy Girl. <laughs> we didn't do that, okay? We didn't do that. No. Uh, but we will read this letter. You okay. ready, Steve? I don't know. Here we go. Moldy Girl writes, Dear Brad and Steve, I wanted to thank you guys for continuing the podcast during these truly tough times. I've been listening to this show since 2009, when I was 14 years old. Your podcast has been an important part of my upbringing. Steve, I wanted to thank you for your dedication to bringing us quality entertainment and joy for so long. Even though I don't know you personally, you've been an important and positive influence for me growing into adulthood. My father passed away when I was nine years old and we spent a lot of our time together listening to 80s music. That was our thing. When I found your podcast the summer of 09, I was ecstatic. Subsequently, my first concert was the Regeneration Tour that year because of you mentioning it on the show. Ever since then, I've listened to your shows countless times, and now, as a 25-year-old, I still do. Again, Steve, I know that I don't know you personally, but you've truly been somewhat of a father figure to me for over a decade. Thank you for all that you two do to help us forget the current situation and believe for a moment in time that everything is okay. Your show has been there for me when I have been at my lowest points and at my highest. I just wanted to add this note to my response because of how rough I know this time has been on all of us. Your work and dedication is greatly appreciated, especially during troubling times like this. I know that other listeners feel the same way. There's so much more that I can say, but for now, thank you. Forever grateful, Moldy Girl. Wow. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I, yeah. That's uh I I don't I I find it hard to believe that um I've been on a I've been a positive influence on anybody. <laughs> believe it, mister. Believe it. Uh but that that's that's incredibly touching. All I can say is I don't know how Casey Kasem got through those long distance dedications every week. That's wow. <laughs> oh, 2009. God, that was a lifetime ago. 
Who was in that? Did you see that tour? I did. Uh, 2009, I think, was the second Regeneration tour because it was uh, – I, I looked this up, folks. I don't just remember this. I'm not quite that smart. Uh, ABC, Wang Chung, Heaven 17, Cutting Crew in Berlin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that at the Universal Amphitheater, which got knocked down so they could build the Wizarding World of Harry Potter here in L.A. So I think that was the last show I saw there. Jeez. 2009 was the – I had tickets to see that um, in Chicago, and that didn't that Oh, didn't that's right. So, Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, fantastic letter. I have written Moldy Girl back, and we've, we've talked back and forth, and uh, she knows how much that letter means to me. And um, – all your letters, you know, really, we we read them all, and um, even though we don't always have time to share them on the show, they you know, it all means a lot to us. And as always, if you want to drop us a line, uh, the email is podcast at sit80s.com. Oh, it's time for I Want My Mystery TV theme song. It's, I don't know where we came up with this segment idea from, but I like it. <laughs> I like it. Except for the fact that uh, nine times out of ten, or actually I'll say 19 times out of 20, uh, Brad and I didn't watch the show that we're, <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> and uh, this week is no different. Um, as you know, we'll play a snippet of a theme song from a TV show in the 80s. I don't know why I constructed the sentence that way. It seems odd. I would want to have to diagram it. Ooh, <laughs> Do you ooh. remember diagramming di- sentences? I, I love diagramming sentences. I'm such a nerd on that stuff. That was like the best part of English in, yeah. in elementary school. I loved it. I was good at that. Because really it's, 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 you're mathing English. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was and I, I just love that. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway... <laughs> Yeah, my educational predictions notwithstanding. We're we're doing a podcast, that's right. Pay attention. Here was the clip from the last time we did this seggy. Of course, it's the theme song to The Law and Harry McGraw. Oh my god! Huh? I mean, you... I kind of—that's kind of a catchy title, but yeah, I got nothing. It's—it's it's a spinoff from Murder She Wrote. Okay, that makes sense. And it was—it was on CBS from eighty-seven to eighty-eight, so it had a, a nice long life of probably twelve <laughs> episodes, <laughs> up to and including twenty episodes. Not eligible for syndication. Uh, the, the, the trouble is that the more we do this seggy, the more like we've we've done all the real obvious shows so we have to keep getting <laughs> maybe more we need to, abs- you know i have an idea and this has come up before i don't think this is an original idea but maybe we want to alternate this with like name that video game sound effect Ooh, i like that if you're still kind of drawing a blank this the series starred uh, jerry orbach as a old school private detective who continually finds himself solving mysteries on behalf of a prim and proper attorney, according to Wikipedia, played by Barbara uh, Babcock. So, Sherry Sounds- Orbach, I <laughs> I see that face and I think FX. I think uh, Dirty Dancing. Oh yeah, well, I've only seen oh, that once. The scene where where Baby is confronting him and and you know 
You may be disappointed in me, but I'm disappointed in you too. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, thunderstorm down my face. Drop the yeah, drop the boom on him. Yeah. Anyway, um, did anyone get it right? Uh, you know what, Steve? You ready? Sit back. Let me okay. read the winners. Winners this week is the winner this week is Carlos M. Hernandez. Wow. We have one winner, and it came in late. Like, if we had recorded this on time, we'd have had no winners. <laughs> but Carlos came through for us in the clutch. But Car- he, Carlos has won before. Yes, he did. He won a bottle opener. Uh, I checked the records in, in episode 515. So what else well, can we send Carlos? I have his address, as it turns looking out. Around, I'm looking around my desk. I have some new <laughs> stickers. Uh, maybe stickers. We'll we'll see. We'll 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 toy toy around. I, I've got drawers and drawers of like weird, strange swag. I think what you meant to say was exotic and mysterious <laughs> swag. You got to you need some marketing help here. <laughs> I have, we have. I've a got a drawer help. full of weird stuff. Oh, that's people are gonna love that. Well, a future wife is now the marketing director, so she takes care of that. She's also the packaging and shipping supervisor here in the uh, Orlando office. Oh, that's good. So. Carlos, send us your postal address again, and we'll we'll find something for you. <laughs> Why is it starting to sound like a Zoom call from work? Uh, because that's all we now. do. Steve's going to talk about the revenue last month from Amazon. <laughs> uh, okay, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast.satas.com. And tune in next time because we probably will actually do Brad's idea. I like it a lot. We'll do mystery uh, video game. We'll come up with a snappy title that's hard for Steve to pronounce. <laughs> That'll be just about anything. Lots of stops. Just about anything. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Being where you want to be. Taking things the way they come. back we have time just to uh thank some patrons so brad take it away steve we do have some new patrons this week uh we want to extend the uh hearty hand clasp of thanks to fred query david scott dietrich joseph purdue chris stenftenagel chris if i screwed that up please send me a correction and i will happily read it again thomas strickland and alexander ryan thank you to each and every one of you it really does mean a lot to us. It helps us cover the cost of the show and helps us produce more content. Exactly. If you haven't caught up with Cobra Kai, Brad, spend some time and Sorry. work on that. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth it. It is really a fun series and uh, I don't want to give too much away, but a lot of the smaller actors from smaller actors, they're not small, smaller roles <laughs> from the movies do make cameos during the series. So. And, and one benefit is that show was actually written by professional writers instead of the nonsense and drivel that you got from us today. Yeah. <laughs> that, is a, that is a huge bonus. Uh, but And also, don't forget to send us your breakfast club. Your, your homework, as you might remember, the breakfast club treatment, due tomorrow. No less than 12 pages. Double spaced. So, we'll see. 
Uh, in the meantime, Brad and I remain here, uh, along with Moldy Girl and Weepy Steve, uh, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening.